0: You are now listening to The Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I love having conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me, getting into the journeys of their life, or as much as we can get into because sometimes we get chatty, but in awesome ways. (laughs) I love hearing about people's stories and not just the highlight moments, their new shiny thing, with the hopes that it empowers you to make choices that you want to in your life, to see that you can change your mind, that to see that everybody's life isn't all perfect and glossy as it can look on social media. Um, so I hope that it empowers you and inspires you. On today's episode, I have Koya Webb. She is a wellness visionary visionary. Her book, "Let Your Fears Make You Fierce," is an amazing book. She is the founder of Get Loved Up. Um, she does a lot of amazing things and you're going to hear of about just a tiny amount of them because just, wow, she's amazing. Love talking to her so much. I hope you enjoy it. And if you haven't yet, please hit subscribe and leave a review for the podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helped the podcast get discovered and you can screenshot it and send it to me at podcast at com, and I'll send you a little gift from my product line. All right, here we go. All right. So yeah, I love starting with what was life like for you growing up? Especially I like to talk about high school years because I feel like, you know, that can be a real challenging time where it sort of feels like I want to stand out, but blend in, what should I do with the rest of my life? So you can talk earlier than that, but I really like to know about high school years.
1: Oh,
2: that's such a good question. I mean, I don't think I've ever had anyone specifically ask me about high school. And high school was a very interesting time for me. For me, high school was a time where I was trying to figure out who I was, you know, and I remember, uh, having two best friends and one was pretty spiritual and the other one was basically pregnant at the time and kind of like in the streets and all that crossing. So, you know, when I look back on it, both of them represented a side of me (laughs) that I, you know, was just, exploring like deep spiritual side you know i've been baptized you know very much you know in church every sunday and just love god and love you know everything about that but then there is this other side of me that's just like kind of a bad girl getting in all the things wanting to explore all things and people and things like that and so it was really funny because it came to a point where you know with one friend, I get in quite a bit of trouble. So I had to
1: ask myself, like, you have to
2: choose a, a path
1: here. Like, do you wanna just be this, this, this person, or do you want to be this other
2: person? And I remember distinctly, um, because I had to let one of my friends go because I felt like the influence was so strong and we had so much fun together. But I knew that if I kept down that path, um, I will probably be in a similar situation that she was in. And so I decided and with no judgment, like I just knew that I wasn't ready for that. But because of the choices I was making, that was just the next thing happening, you know. So I was like, okay, let me slow down and let me move a little bit slower. And let me just not get in all the things that spark my my curiosity. And so with that, I have a lot of energy. It's like, well, what are you going to do? And so I actually was like, I want to. You know, dive deeper into who I am. So I would look up, like, you know, I'm a Leo. Like, what, what, what is it about Leo? So I would like really is to, a, like, in high
0: school. In high school. Do you, and yeah, do you remember what at what age you were when you had that moment of choosing the friendship path, like friendship, but also life path?
2: I was a freshman. I was a freshman in college. My brother was a a senior, and it was, I grew up fast. and Yeah. I understand. I'm from Tennessee. So I'm a Southern girl and believe it or not Southern, like we just grow up so fast and you think like, Oh, it's slow. And you know, no, like it, it actually, like you learn a lot quickly. Now there's a lot of things that I didn't get into that. If I'd grown up in California, I'm sure I'd know all the drugs that I still don't know about now. Like I'm just now finding out about, um, but I, uh, but then, you know, there was a, a um, you know, I was in the Bible belt. So there was a layer of protection, but also it was just a lot that I was also exposed to and I was and it basically when it comes to you know just growing up too fast getting into relationships uh really fast getting pregnant really fast like those type of things my brother had his first child when he was 19 with my best friend before college he was 16 you know so that was kind of the path that I was like seeing you know um happening and I was like okay so I'm I'm not going to choose that. So instead I'm going to choose diving deeper into who I am. And I, and I, I chose that. And I, I chose to dive deeper into my spirituality. Um, I started going to Bible study. I started, you know, singing in the church choir. And so that was the decision that I made as a freshman in college.
0: And when you like that, also the decision, like to go to college, uh, did you know, because I think a lot of time during that, you know, the high school year too, there's so much pressure on us, I think from our t- internally, but also like externally of like, what are you going to do with your rest of your life? You need to choose a major. What are you going to like this? <laughs> you know, like, right. Like, who are you going to be? Hopefully these days that's lessened. But at least when I was in, you know, it felt like you needed to already know what you were going to be when you grew up. And so then you need to pick a college and pick a major on that. So when was that when you... Uh, enrolled in college, like, did you know, or were just like, okay, I'm going to college because I know I want a college degree or oh, my parents want me to college degree. Or I. did you have an idea of like what you were going to be when you grew up?
2: <laughs> I had no idea. And <laughs> and so as a freshman in high school, I met a freshman in high school. That's what, okay. that was a choice that I made. Okay. Um, I thought you met freshman in high school first
0: and then you were like, oh, I grew up fast, but yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you, so freshman in high school, you were yeah. making that choice of which which way am I going to go? And so then you got really into church and spirituality. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was just like asking for guidance, for spiritual guidance, and it, and it came. It was just like okay. Well, and it was clear to me, and I didn't even know anything about being intuitive or I didn't even know anything about what I know about it now, but I remember very clearly, like the path and i it's it's literally been like I saw the two options of what I could choose and how they would play out, and I chose just to um you know, dive deeper into spirituality. And so with that, again, I started singing and I started and I started athletics. So before uh, high school, which most people who play basketball and things like that, they started, you know, junior, junior high. And I had I hadn't done any of that because I was a country girl. I didn't really live in the city. So I. Sports was my outlet. So I got on the track and field team. I tried out for the basketball team, didn't make it because I was tall and clumsy. I had a growth spurt and I just, I couldn't make the team, but I made the track and field team. So I was like, okay, I need something to do with my energy. I have a lot of energy. So it's like something to do with my energy and my time. So I not only, you know, when it's spirituality, I also went into athletics and athletics really gave me that something to do with my curiosity, with my energy. So I started studying, like we didn't even have a high jump pit. I started doing high jump on a mattress in a
1: septic tank pole. And, and I got the coach, uh, you know, Dorrington Reed, and he was a, a football player and he inspired me to just like do all the things. So I ended up being a
2: pentathlete, which was five events. So I did, wow. you know, high jump, long jump. Uh, 100 hurdles and a 200 dash and an 800 run
0: so things that weren't even like offered at your school to like for an event you started them (laughs) like the high jump is that what you're saying
2: yeah we didn't have a high jump at my school and I would just go to meets and I would just jump over the pole
0: oh my goodness
2: (laughs) wow yeah But it saved me. It saved me from being in trouble all the time. I remember at that time I was a freshman and the guy that I was dating was older than my brother. So like five years older. And, you know, it was just it was just heading in the wrong direction. (laughs) So. So you were like, sign
0: myself up for things to keep me busy, to keep me occupied. So I don't like am tempted to go back and hang out.
2: I think I was spiritually led to do that because I was still hanging out, you know, a little bit. But then once I got more busy into the sports and busy, you know, in church, then it just I I had less time. And then I I was like, oh, well, I don't think that's the right thing for me to do. So I would make I started being more convicted and like, okay, well, I don't want that reality. So I I just started doing more things that made sense versus like, oh, whatever feels good in the
1: moment. (laughs) Flying by the seat of my (laughs) pants.
2: <laughs> Do you remember
0: like that transition or maybe as you get start to get into track and in church more like if you are still hanging out with some of those friends or especially if your brother is then you know connected with the that friends group too the like to have the confidence and conviction to be like, okay, I'm going to hang out with you and I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Like to hang out with people, to be in groups, but not like fall all in or to like make those choices. Do you remember like sort of struggling with like, it is okay for me to be here and be here or to say, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm not going to hang out with you this weekend or whatever those things were.
2: I remember feelings pretty specifically, especially when I was with a guy, just like like a loss of control and like, okay, I'm in a space and I don't feel safe. And then I I remember seeing things like fights and stuff like that. And I, I was very clear that I wasn't safe, you know? And so for me, it's like that, that like, unsafety took away the fun part for me. Cause I was just like, okay, well, I don't want to be caught up and, you know, cops all the time. And, you know, and then people would end up being hurt. Like I had a lot of friends that didn't make it. Like there was this place in Humboldt called the crossing and a lot of people died, got um, mixed up in drugs. My, my brother got on the bus one day, just beat up, you know um, you know, and there were gangs. And so it was really, really dangerous time. And so I, more so was like okay this isn't safe like i'm i was clear that wasn't safe so even though there were fun times i was like this isn't safe and you're like you're either going to end up pregnant or hurt really bad <laughs> so i was just like i just knew that it wasn't a safe space for me to be in and just chose the the other direction and what helped cuz again me and my friend that was pregnant we were all hard but actually her being pregnant and actually um not being in school helped otherwise we wouldn't have stopped hanging out so that was the hardest part but just the loss of a friendship but just the way it happened it made it where it's not like I stopped being friends with her like I'm I could call her to this day and we have a long conversation but it's just the nature of like what happened in her life and you know I was in school school and my other friend was in school and then she, you know, was um having a baby. So things just transitioned naturally, but I didn't seek out you know, I could have definitely been like, I still want to go here. Let's, you know, but it just didn't work out that way, and I'm, I'm glad it didn't. Got it. And so then,
0: as like high school is coming to end, and talking about, yeah, what I was talking about earlier about, yeah, like it can be like that pressure of like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Uh, mm-hmm. do, and yeah, did you stick with um, athletics the whole way through?
2: I did. I actually um, did very well my freshman year in track and field. I actually made it to the state meet on a relay, and so that was fun just to go to the state meet. And after the my first freshman year in high school, I was already getting letters from colleges oh um, to go to different schools, and I was like, "Oh my goodness! I like can't I don't even know. imagine what that would be like." I know. <laughs> I already just started. Like, really. really? I had no idea. I'm like, this goes. I was like, I can't even think about this right now. All I could think about was like, I want to play basketball because track and field was like a pastime. Like football players did it like in a pastime and people, but it wasn't people's main thing. And I was like, and my dad loves basketball, so I was like, I want to play basketball. So I literally talked to my coach, and I was like. If you get me on the basketball team, I'll do, I'll, I'll, you know, I can play defense, you know, I'm a hard worker and I'd prove myself for a whole year. So he talked to the basketball coach and it helped that we didn't have a winning season, but he talked to the basketball coach and I, I was listening. He's like, well, you know, she's athletic and if nothing else, she can play amazing defense. So <laughs> she can't dribble that well, but <laughs> so, and I remember dribbling around a pole in my basement so that I could learn how to dribble and just like hours and hours of dribbling around a pole. You know, and uh, and I made the team, you know, I made the team. And luckily enough, the first year I set the bench. So my sophomore year, I set the bench and then my junior year, we got a new coach and I got most improved. And by my senior year, I ended up as MVP. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for me, it was just about hard work. And I love team sports. Like it's, it's like for me, like. Being a person who is empathetic and loves people, I was just like, you know, we have a losing season because we're not playing together. And so I was able to sit on the bench a whole year. And in that year, I saw everything that wasn't working. And I asked myself, like, how can you make it work? You know, and so I was already, even from the bench, just like pumping everybody up and cheering everybody on. And when I got four minutes in the game, I remember our first four minutes. I was so excited. I've been working on my right hand jubble. Wasn't even thinking about the left hand. It wasn't coming yet. I had worked on the right hand. I worked on my layups. So I got the ball, grabbed the rebound, dribbled down the court, laid it up. I was like, yeah. And everyone was like, no. And I was
1: like, what?
2: Found out I shot at the wrong goal. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was so
1: embarrassing. <laughs> I really felt so good. I was so excited. I had no idea which goal was ours or the other team's, but I knew exactly what I was going to do when I got the ball. My but, heart yeah. feels for but- <laughs> whatever 16, 17 year old you. <laughs> oh. I sat right back down on the bench. See, that's why you don't play. And I was like, oh goodness. So that was it for the year. My freshman year, I got one little
0: highlight. <laughs> but how amazing that, you know, that definitely shows your your personality type or who you are. A lot shows who you are that a lot of people, if they're on the bench, even if they know like they are not as good as the other people or whatever. They would not be like, what can I, like, let me take this as a learning experience. Like, how can I guess people up? They'd just be sitting grumpy and like making it be about them, you know, like I'm not good enough or this. And like, and a lot of times I feel like when we're in that space and it comes like comparison, then we start like, that's where judgment, like then you get mad at everybody else or this is unfair and you're resentful of everything. And like that, you I mean, maybe you had some emotions that would be human to like have, but you mostly were like, how I'm here. OK, like made it on the bench. <laughs> I've made it on the bench. Like, how can I like <laughs> make it further? And then even after those four minutes um, that you like didn't quit and be like, never mind, don't put me in again. You know, like people yeah. might have quit after that.
2: You know, I think life gives us opportunities. You know, and based on those opportunities, we get choice and everyone has freedom of choice. Everyone's not dealt the same hand of cards in life. And that's really unfortunate. But with whatever hand we have dealt, we have choice, you know, just like I had when I was like, okay, I can take this path with athletics and spirituality or I can take another path, you know. And so I think that In that moment, I chose like you can you can sit here and sulk, but, you know, you've been practicing so you can show them what you have, even though it was at the wrong goal (laughs) or you can just like that. How else is anyone going to see? And you know, you have practice and stuff, but even in practice, you don't really get to, if you're not the starting five, you don't really get to show. Um, And so even after that, I was like, okay. And every game after that, I'm like, okay, this is our goal. This is their goal. Okay, this is their goal. Okay, it's halftime. We switched. I was literally making sure if it happened again. And it did. And the same thing happened. And this time I shot in the right goal. This was the next year because I I didn't get any more chances that year. But I was still like, I felt like, I still felt part of a team. Like I'm really a team player. So me just going out to eat with the team and having fun, a country girl, just getting out of the house. I was just happy to get out of the house. And of course, as an athlete and of course, as like in a very ambitious person, I wanted to play. I wanted to start, I would dream about it. I would think about like how I was gonna dribble, like everything I would write in my journal and I was journaling like in high school. I started keeping a journal really. And I would just write like exactly what I was gonna do. And like, you know, and I think that we have to have That, like everyone, like even you know, coming through the year that we had this last year, you if you have some type of ambition or some type of dream, that's what keeps you alive. That's what keeps you, I feel, vibrating as your best self, just knowing that there is hope, there is possibility. And with that possibility, how do you plan to use it?
0: So true, so great. First, going back to how you said, like, you know, the power of choice. I totally agree. And that's one of the things, you know, I was, before we started recording, I was telling you about the book that I'm writing, which F the shoulds do the once and how I ended up swapping want out for should. And so I gave that word up in 2008. So what's 13 years ago, but I still daily, you know, feel the shoulds come up, even though I don't use the word I can feel it, but I can tune into that energy. But what I, one of the many things, that's just why I'm writing a whole book about it (laughs) that I learned is like by zeroing in on those shoulds. I get to see that I I have a choice like, you know, and so that's for me was switching to the one so that it's really like seeing like that for me is like the constant reminder. I have a choice. It's this feels like a should and maybe it actually is something I want to do. It's like but reminding myself that it's my choice, you know, whether it's, oh, I really should exercise today. Right. Well, why do I want to exercise? Because it makes me feel better because of this. Or like, yeah, I should exercise because I haven't exercised in two days, but I'm really run down and I want to rest. That's what's best me. So it's like constantly reminding myself, I have a choice. (laughs) We have a choice. Like, so that little, like one word swap is so big. And then what you're talking about, like the daydreaming or the dreaming, what I... I totally agree. I think that daydreaming is so valuable or visualization, but like, yeah, just allowing yourself to daydream. And in the last couple of years, I noticed some things that uh, limiting doubts and limiting beliefs that I didn't, you know, I was, they were so deep in me that I Mm -hmm. wasn't seeing them. And and when I started to like allow myself to daydream again and dream outside of my current circumstances, then it allowed me to like, you know, think of these different possibilities which then allowed me to see that, oh, I haven't been allowing myself to say that. Like for years, I told myself... Uh, I don't want to live in LA with kids. That would be too annoying with traffic, whatever. I moved out of LA once I got pregnant. But so I didn't even allow myself to have that as a possibility. But then I would go back up to LA more, do this. Oh, I, you know, I think I am enjoying it. But again, no, 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 Trisha, you don't want to live in LA. But the real truth was, is that I believed I was not someone who could afford to live in LA with kids. So I never gave myself the possibility of if I would want to actually live in LA again. My mind had just, my subcussion has made up this excuse it would drive you crazy, too much traffic, whatever. Once I started to like realize I had that living relief because of daydreaming, it would be nice to be by this friends. It would be nice to like, you know, allowing myself to visualize that. Um, I changed that. And I live in LA now, by the way, I just moved back a month ago.
2: (laughs) The way
0: that the daydreaming and allowing yourself to, Oh, how would that feel? And like trying things on then can show you ways that you've been limiting yourself. And then how can that be possible? How could I become someone Who makes enough money to live in L.A.? (laughs) Like instead of just me telling myself, nope, you don't do that. That's not you. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's so true. I I would tell everyone um, to create a love bank for themselves. And I talk about it in my book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce. One of the ways that I really found out like what I wanted to do with my life was I just did everything that brought me joy like everything that like made me happy. And that's how I found like, oh, I really love doing this. I would do this even if I didn't get paid for it. I would want to do this for the rest of my life. And you have to kind of like explore like what that feels like. And so if anyone listening want wants to try out this ritual, it's like you can get like a mason jar container, couple sheets of paper and just write down like everything that brings you joy and each day just try something different like for a long time I cooked and I had I wrote a book like Koya's Cuisine and you know I just made food for myself and my friends and family and then I started selling the food because it was doing really well and then for another period of time like I love massages Uh, me and a friend bought a massage book in college and I learned how to massage really well. So I'd bring like the aromatherapy and all this stuff. And I love massaging and I wanted to stay in this apartment. I really could not afford. So instead of saying like, Oh, I can't afford it to your point. I was like, let me get a rent table. You know how people throw rent parties? I was like, I'm going to do a rent table and give massages. And I got really great. Like I, I literally, that's when I found out I was a healer because I started like someone would have sciatica and then I would have it. Someone have migraine headaches and then I had it. And I was like, okay. And I went to an intuitive coach and they're like, oh, yeah, you might not want to do that. You might need to learn how to ground down your energy and and things like that. So I stopped doing the massage, but I did it long enough to um, before I started cooking um, to pay my rent. And so there were things like I was a personal trainer for a while. So there were so many things that I did because that's what brought me joy in the moment. And it's all a part of who I am. And like people feel like, oh, I got to have it all figured out. But really. It's about living every moment to the fullest and really trusting your soul. When I moved to California, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any cousins, any aunts, any friends. I knew nobody. But my soul, when I I remember the day I went on a track and field meet in San Luis Obispo, and I felt it in my soul that I needed to be here. It was the sexy weather or something. And I came and I'm so happy. I mean, the greatest thing is I've missed my family so dearly, but I've been able to really pour into myself and pour into my family and my community back home because of what I'm learning from saying yes to my soul's urges.
0: I Love all of that and can't wait to start to dive into all of those things <laughs> or some of them. But yeah, no, it's so true. And I think we're not we're not taught this. You know, like that's why I like to get into people's stories. And that's again why I'm all against like the shoulds. It's like it's like you should do this, you should pick these things. We're not taught to like Oh, even ask ourselves what brings us joy and oh, mm-hmm. uh, that we're allowed to like then do that. And also, uh, you can do something and then do something else. Like, it's like, I felt like I was taught, like you pick a career and you do it for the rest of your life. Right. Or you like, maybe you move up within that career or to different companies and stuff like that. And like, there's this like stigma about changing what you do in this or like that that's wrong to just want to do something because you enjoy it. But it's really like when you're doing something and you enjoy it, then like everyone gets to benefit that. From that, the people that you're serving, but also like your energy out in the world. Like who you are at the grocery store is a different person because you are someone that is living from a place of joy and that is felt and that, like, is like our energy really affects people people discount joy and, oh, I have all, I'll do all these things. And when I have time, maybe I can, maybe on the weekend, I'll fit in something that brings me joy. Oh, wait, but I got all these other things I have to take care of first, like next weekend. It's like, no, like find things to bring you joy, like in, like right now, like what could you bring you joy
2: right now? (laughs) That's right. This is so true. And it's, it seems like it's not real, you know, but I think when people take it from, it doesn't even have to be a career. It could just be something as simple as, going outside or you've always wanted to um, go to hiking or you always wanted to like um, have a pet. So maybe you just like babysit a neighbor's pet. So it doesn't have to be this grandiose like career changing thing it's literally the small things and your confidence and seeing how you feel when you do the small things. Like, oh, I always wanted to like, you know, get my hair braided, you know, whatever it is, just like the little things. I always wanted to like buy a dress, you know, whatever it is, the little things, like start with the little things. And once you feel like, wow, that felt so good to honor myself, to honor what I want, instead of telling myself, because I grew up, you know, poor. So it's like, oh, you can't afford that. You can't have that. Like that lifestyle is not possible for you. So it's, it took a long time for me to switch my limiting beliefs of free, feeling like I was enough and I wasn't a worthy of having nice things. And even still now, like I have to catch myself like, like you know, because it's like, oh, you need a couch. Like buy yourself a couch. I'm like, I don't need a couch. Like I can sit on the floor. I do yoga. What's the big deal? You know? Same. And it's just like, but I'm so used to like not giving myself stuff unless it's like a dire need. Um, so it's it's something that was ingrained in me since childhood. And I still, to be honest, like struggle with it sometimes. Same. Yeah. I mean, I
0: I actually grow up grew up well, but it felt that we were poor because of my, there was such a money struggle and issue. And like, no, it felt like, oh, we can't this, you know, this. So it was my mom has to work so hard. Like, let me get another job so I can buy these things that like, really, we probably didn't need. But like, so mm-hmm. that same thing, like I grew up differently, but it was ingrained like this money stuff. So I still have like, it's, yeah, obviously, I mean, I talked about LA thing and then, but I just moved and lent, so I moved to a new place and needed so many new things. And so how differently I've been able to approach it, but still it can start to crouch up on me Um, you know, no, 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 no. You don't really need like, just like, yeah, like what I'm choosing to buy. And that, yeah, money is such a big thing that can mess with us. Like it's rooted
2: Yeah, and I love that you shared that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that you shared that because it shows how you can come um, from different perspectives, having or not having, but still have an unhealthy relationship with money. And I think that's so important to call out because it's not about what you have or what you don't have it's about your relationship, right? It's about your relationship to it. And do you feel an attachment, you know, um, to it, to to money specifically, or do you feel like it's just a means to an end? This is energy, this is an exchange. And, you know, and I feel like that's really important. And that's something that people don't talk about that much is just, you know, because some people like, feel like, you know, The love of money is the root of all evil, you know, and, you know, we hear that growing up and it's just like, yeah, but do you love it or do you appreciate it? You know, and I feel like what I had to learn is like to really appreciate money, but not only money energy in all of its forms. I appreciate the energy of money, the energy of people, the energy of things and the meaning behind each thing. And so I feel like if we talked more about energy um, and energy in the form of money, but also in the form of friendships, relationships, jobs, opportunities, things that bring us joy, like all of these things are energetic. And the more that we realize that the energy of abundance is an energy that is all encompassing of everything in the world. Whereas money is just like one little limb, you know, and actually embracing all that is abundant when it comes to feeling like you're a part of the whole, that everything in the world is, is part of what we're creating and co-creating, I feel like that is true freedom and it's true wealth as well, because, you know, it's not just dependent on how much money you have in the bank.
0: Yeah, that was so beautiful. Now I'm going to get back into your journey. I can keep talking about whatever for hours and hours. But no, okay. So let's get back to, uh, well, you mentioned track meet in the San Luis Obispo or, and also, so yeah, what happens after high school? Was the track meet in high school or was that did you end up going to college and have athletics there?
2: Yes. So I got a college scholarship. And um, when I went to San Luis Obispo, it was on a college trip and it wasn't the best college trip. I remember I didn't really drink a lot. And I I went to this party and I felt so bad. I got I got I I got totally drunk. And I remember, um, you know, I was decent enough to walk home, but someone with me wasn't. And they threw up all over this brand new coat I had. And I was so devastated. And I wasn't leaving my coat there. So I like got a garbage bag from the
1: place and we put the coat inside and we had snuck out because we had a track meet. We were supposed to be going out having fun. And here we are (laughs) on this track meet coming back from this party not 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 okay my coach is drenched in vomit and out of the shadows stepped my coach and i'm like i'm the team captain i'm the good girl i'm the girl that never gets in trouble always doing the right and all i felt was he was like Koya cool, yeah. and i just when i heard his voice i was like oh no i was like yeah it's me." like i'm supposed to be the one to talk people out of these things and here i am <laughs> tipsy at 12 o'clock in the morning <laughs> it was the most embarrassing thing and I think <laughs> I think on one hand my coach is like I can't believe it and on the other hand it's like I'm glad to know that you actually are human and have some fun sometimes
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's like I actually really didn't get in big trouble I think all of us didn't get big trouble only because I was there with everybody so yeah, yeah I kind of saved out. everybody
2: but, um, yeah, I was definitely I it was definitely favoritism for
1: sure. 100%. I cannot even yeah. Oh, it was, it was definitely, we all, but they knew it too. they like, the team was like, well, oh, you have to come. You have to come because if we go by ourselves, we're going to get in trouble. So even before it was preconceived that I had to go
2: in order for the rest of the team to have a good time, because if I stayed back, then, you know, they would get in trouble and they would have gotten more trouble if I wasn't there. So I, I definitely took foot one for the team. It's
0: Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption because Zia and I, that's my daughter, she's right here with me.
1: Hi, I'm Zia and I'm a great artist.
0: (laughs) That's my daughter Zia. She's a great artist. She's recording this ad with me today because why not? (laughs) I want to let you know about some ways that I am here to support you, to help you, because that's what I want to do, right Zia? What do I say when I'm working? What am I doing?
1: Helping people a lot. Oh,
0: yes. I'm helping people a lot. I'm not just helping people. (laughs) But so a couple ways that I can do that for you right now is I have a daily inspiration app. You can download it right now in the Apple app, in the Google Play store. And there are hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. You just hit a card, see what message you get. If you don't like it, hit show me a card. A lot of people end up telling me they get the card they want. You can also go into the settings and hit, uh, daily and set a time to get a reminder so that you go check the app daily because we forget to do things that make us feel good, right? So I just got one. My thoughts hold the key to my transformation. I am willing. I am able. I am open. I just hit it again. Show the world how to treat you by how you treat yourself. I got another card. I hold space for people to feel how they feel without taking on their energy or feelings. So as you can see lots of different things there. I also have a product line. What do I sell in my product lines, Zia?
1: You sell the things you make. Right. Like
0: like what kind of things?
1: Mugs and wa- and um water bottles and, and notebooks. And
0: and journals and an affirmation deck and keychains, all sorts of things, magnets to empower you to get out of your own way, to live your life, to be connected to your true self, to own your awesome. You can check all the products out, products out at com. and another way that I really help people as Zia says, is I do coaching. Uh, I'm hoping to open a new group coaching program this fall. Feel free to DM me or send a message to just your at yourdrylogist.com if you're interested in that, even though you're like, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. There's more information to come. You can get like on my wait list. I also do one-on-one coaching where we get real. We dive in week after week after week to see what it is that you want. And then I hold you accountable so that you are actually showing up for yourself and whatever it is that you're working on or working through, because we are in conversation every single day for the 42 or more days that we work together. So we don't just have one hour calls every week. We are in communication every single day so that I am making sure that you actually are showing up for yourself. It's super transformative because of that. Again, you can DM me, or email or go to yourdirologist.com backslash coaching to learn more about those opportunities. All right, let's get back to the episode. Bye. Okay, so so then, yeah, so at that point, did you go to college just like, okay, great, like I'll take an offer and I'm just going to go to college and I'll do, you know, track, but not like, again, like, I'm going to study this and be this.
2: No, like. My college decision. I'm like such an indecisive person. Like my college decision was the hardest decision. It was like, do I stay close to home? And I actually stayed close to home for the first year. I went to UT Martin and then didn't do that well. Gained the freshman, not the freshman 15, but the freshman 25 because I had got to eat all the food that I wanted to eat. And I, I didn't correlate that with me not being able to high jump as high. I just felt like, huh, I felt like I was getting stronger. I felt like it was going to all work out, but it didn't. So um, I ended up moving to um, Kansas with one of my coaches, one, the assistant coach, and um, I kind of got a fresh start and um, not all you can eat buffet food. So I, I ended up balancing out, <laughs> I ended up working out at Wichita State.
0: But so, yeah, like, did you just like, OK, like, let me get a degree and I get to yeah do athletics?
2: No, at first, like I knew I love to help people, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I did shadowing, which I highly recommend. I've and shadowing is where. Yeah, you go um, for like a day um, in the life of like whatever profession you're interested in. So at that time I was interested in physical therapy. I was like, oh, I love making people feel good. You know, I see the physical therapist like as an athlete and they're so amazing and so knowledgeable. It's like, maybe I could do that. But they made good money, but they didn't have a lot of time with their family. And I was like, well, maybe I want to do social work because I love listening to people. I love helping people. I hate seeing people suffer. So, you know, talk to a social worker didn't make so great money and was normally stressed out on the job. So it's like, I don't know if I wanna do that. And then I um, shadowed a personal trainer who made decent money and was doing what they love. So I was like, "No, ah, I'm going to be a personal trainer." <laughs> so I went to college. I actually started at the YMCA and I started their Kids Fit program. And I love, love, love working with the kids. It was really hard when I graduated, but it was a perfect job. Um, and personal training um, was perfect because I love it. Was you could talk to people, you could help people succeed, you could. Set set your own hours. You can set your own rates. So it was the epitome of a job of freedom. So um, that's where I started out as a personal trainer.
0: Got it. And so when you, re- so yeah, you, you told us about the fun night, <laughs> but yeah, that was also when you like fell in love with California when you graduated, did you end up moving out there or what ha- when you graduated college? Where did you Tell us about what got you to California.
2: This amazing transition and I, I, as a, in my sophomore year, it's almost kind of similar to high school. That sophomore year, I was like, I was set to win the conference meet and do all these great things um, as a sophomore. But that's when I was walking home from class and I got a sharp pain in my back. And I found out I had a stress fracture. I mean, and it was just out of nowhere. I wasn't on the track or anything. It's just a sharp pain. I thought I got shot. Like I just dropped to the ground and pain. And then the coach was like, oh, this is a stress fracture. It's in your low back and um, you're out for the season. And I'm like, what? Like everything was going good. Training was going great. And so um, I went into depression, you know, because I put all of my Hopes, my dreams, my future, into track and field, and so in one day that just disappeared. And my coach is like, "Don't worry, you know, you know, you're you're team captain. You'll be a great coach." And at that point, I'm thinking, I was like, planning for the Olympics. Like you're talking about Mm -hmm. coaching, I'm just like, my my mind is blown. And so I remember crying in classes, and my teacher sent me to the counselor, and then the counselor suggested that I try yoga,
1: and again. Southern Baptist
2: girl. I'm like, I can't worship any other idol gods or anything like that. And she's like, no, it's not that. It's just stretching. Of course we know it's more than that, but that's what she told me to get into the class. So I was like, well, I don't have a choice. So I went to the yoga class. I could not touch my toes. I could do a good back bend because of the high jump, but could not touch my toe. I was a tight athlete. I didn't fit in. I was frustrated. And in my frustration, the teacher came over to me and she was like, I just want you to breathe. And I just took this deep inhale and exhale with her. And I felt these chills on my body. And that's when I knew I was in the right place. And so now I I get the same like feeling, um, just the chills like when I, I feel like I'm in alignment with a person or a thing or, and so I stayed there for like six months after six months of training um, and doing the yoga and the breath work. I started swimming and biking. And then I came back a year later. So I did have to take a whole year off when I came back, I led Wichita state to their first women's championship and I won, you know, my events. Um, So And at the end of my college career, I was ranked 13th in the nation. So I actually moved to California um, to try to get into the Olympic Training Center.
0: Wow. You're ranked 13th in the nation. And so you moved to California to try to get. So that's like, yeah, you have to like try out to get into like, it's not just like, oh, you're 13th. So we you must be great, Like you
2: have to have specific metrics. And I was just below like my times and my jumps was just below. So I needed more training to have the marks that I needed to get in. Cause it was like, okay, you have to do this or above. And my marks were like right below. And I had the year off. So I'm just like, I know if I train more and I remember calling, his name is uh, Ron Sheffield cause Ron Sheffield. And I was like, you know, I promise you I'll get better every single day. Just like, give me a chance. Will you train me? He was like, I don't know you. And I was like, I know. I looked him up online, saw San Diego State University, just out of the blue. But but what I saw from, you know, the basketball and even my track career is like, I am not, I'm best friends with hard work. You know, I'm not a stranger to hard work. I don't mind working hard. Like I'll work hard for anything I want in life. And um, I think that's what's helped me get through a lot of things and be able to accomplish a lot is just not being afraid to work hard, not being afraid of a no, not being afraid to mess up, to fail. Uh, I tell people now, like, you don't fail until you stop trying, you know? And so I tried and tried and he's like, you know what? I don't know you, but I like you. So come on out and we'll see. And I came out and it was going very well, but then I was over and that's what happened when I got a stress fracture. I was over training. And that's why now I teach self-care because it's like I ran myself into the ground. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. And luckily at that time, yoga helped me slow down, connect with my breath, become balanced. But once I got back on that track, I was like, peace, yoga. Thanks. And I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) you <laughs> know, I just went back to the track. And so about, uh, I want to say six months in, I pulled my hamstring. And at this oh, point no. I'm like, okay, we slow down. Let me go back to my best friend yoga. And so I went back to yoga, but this time I ended up getting my certification and now, you know, it's transformed into like a whole, my own yoga school, um, at this point. And just, you know, books later, but it really started with, learning how to take care of myself, learning that there, you know, there's not ever a perfect balance in life, but there has to be a harmony to being ambitious and doing what brings you joy, but also doing it in balance with what was healthy for you and what's healthy for the world.
0: Yeah, I so agree. And again, like, it's this thing like, yeah, like, why have we not been taught to like that resting is like, okay. And that doesn't mean you're lazy and that taking your care of yourself. Like, yeah. Like it doesn't mean like you're being selfish or like, I don't know. It's just so interesting now to look at like what we weren't taught. (laughs) Well, besides all the history, we weren't taught as a white, as a white girl that all the history I was not taught. There's a lot of things we are not taught in school. And now my kids are starting school. I'm like, what are they going to be teaching these kids?
2: And is it actually necessary? Like, what do they need to be learning? Um, it's scary because it's, you know, and the fact that we're so often on electrical devices, like that's like the hardest thing. Like that's that's the way you know most of the children are learning today. And I feel like that you know, they miss out on so much of like nature and, and creativity and coloring and playing. And so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting.
0: Uh, okay. So then, so you moved and he did start, it sounds like you moved to California. He did start coaching you, but then you got injured. So when you like got back into yoga and then got certified, was that you were in California and you had come for training and then were just like, okay, I'm staying here. Like,
2: Oh yeah. Like I knew, I knew in San Luis Obispo, I was like, I want to move here after college. Like I didn't know how it was going to pan out, but I knew in that moment I said, and I told my friends, I was like, after college, I'm coming to California. I just knew, like, I didn't know how, I didn't know. I just, I just felt it.
0: So was that like when you got that other injury, was it natural then like, oh, right. So yoga helped me before. So I'm going to go back to yoga. Were you like right away sort of like, oh, why don't I, you know, get certified to become an instructor or
2: yeah. Well, I was thinking like career wise now because it's like, OK, well, your personal training. And at the at that time, I had like a full list and a wait list. And actually, um, before I got my certification, I actually became a life coach because I loved helping people get their physical goal. But I remember one time a client was like, you know, I don't want to just talk to you. I actually I, I want to. I don't want to just train with you. I want to talk to you, you know, and we just spend a session not working out, just talking about what was going on in their lives. And, you know, and I, I realized that I wanted, I love hearing people's story and I love guiding people um, to their own solutions. And so I ended up getting life coaching certification with this company called Lifestyles and I actually started life coaching and that brought me even more satisfaction. Cause I feel like, you know, Body is one thing. I end up, you know, within after college, I end up getting into bodybuilding a little bit and, you know, won a couple of competitions doing that. But I feel like, you know, life is more than just, you know, our physique, you know? And I feel like there were deeper problems with nutrition. I started getting into, I started working at a, A restaurant called Rancho's And I started understanding about Vegetarian and vegan food And stuff like that So I really started just really diving Into wanting to understand uh, Health and wellness And I, I, even as a young girl I would pull off the wellness books Like natural cures for this And natural cures for that And I got the book Like natural cures They don't want you to know about And so I was always from a young age Into the natural way of healing things And that's kind of what I dove into
0: were you living in San Diego?
2: Yeah, I lived in San Diego for a year. When, when I you first- said ranchos,
0: I was like, I used to love that
2: <laughs> Yes, Marcos Moet. That was my, that was my, he was my client actually. And I was like, I miss cooking food. And he was like, well, come cook for the restaurant. And I was like, okay.
0: I <laughs> know, I love that place. I lived in Ocean Beach when I first moved to California. Um, yeah, I would eat there all the time. Okay. So when you, so you right away though, moved out there and while you're training, okay, I'm a, you know, use my, I'm a, you got clients for, um, why am I saying can't think of personal training? I'm like physical training. And then that led to life coaching. And then like, yeah, it just sounds like, I love, Do you understand how unique it is that like, you're just like, oh yeah, I like this. Okay. Let me try this. Oh, let me do life coaching. Oh, food. Oh, cooking. Oh, oh, yoga. Like so many people are so like stopped. Like, nope, I am only allowed to choose one thing or wait. No, I tried something in the last year. So I cannot like, you know what I mean? Like we have such stories on like what that means to try something else. It's like, you know, I think that people get stuck on, oh, that means I made the wrong choice before, or this is, and it's like, no, like you were just living your life. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Let me try this. Let me do this. To me, that's what feels normal and natural. And I love it, but I, it's like, it's so unique actually.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I agree. And I'm so grateful that I had the kind of spirit and heart to just try things because I think that's what's helped me, you know, be grateful for life and be content you know, I always have goals and stuff, but I'm, I'm grateful and I'm content like in the present moment because I'm doing the things that bring me joy in the moment. And then when it shifts and changes, then I make other decisions, you know. And so I think that's empowering. I mean, we all have a sense of control and not control. And I think sometimes we're in situations where we feel like we don't we don't have that freedom. And that's where it gets really hard. You know, even we were all, you know, during the pandemic, it's like there was a loss of freedom, but I, was able to find freedom in that. It's like, okay, well, how do I want to change what I'm doing? How do I want to reach my people? Well, How do I want to connect? What story do I want to play in this narrative? Versus being drugged down by the fact that, you know, we're in a pandemic and things are, I remember not going out and buying a toilet tissue and then realizing I need some toilet tissue. It's like, wait, everyone bought it all well.
1: So you can't just live all the way on a Rock. You know, you gotta, you know, And but I bought a bidet. I was like, all right, we're Uh going to
2: figure this out. So I just like, I, that's just like my, that's just how my mind works. It's like, well, no matter what, we're going to figure it out. And, um, and I feel like it, you have to be like that, especially the world we live in today. There's so much happening so fast. There's so much pain in the world and there's so much trauma in the world that, you know, we're, we're dealing with. If you realize that And what I believe is we are each here to bless the world in a unique and beautiful way. I feel that if each one of us asks ourselves each day, like, how am I gonna bless the world today? It's just a beautiful thing, you know, because there's so many other things like to stress about and get caught up about, but like, how can I be a blessing to a world? How can I be a blessing to myself? How can I be a blessing to my family, to others? And it makes the day go a lot better. Because otherwise, if you're thinking about all the negative things and all the things in the news and all the, horror, there's always going to be horror in the world, you know, and we have to acknowledge it because that's the only way we can do something about it. But if we let it overcome us, then we get caught up in the darkness when we're supposed to be the light. I love
0: that. And again, it's like, it can be something so small. I think so many people get stopped. on Oh, how how can I bless the world today? It's like, Oh, I'm going to send a loving text message to a friend right now. You're like, it's, I'm going to go out of my way to, you know, say hello and like give attention to a stranger, like attention, just meaning like you make eye contact and you smile, even not like, you know, just like, how can I bless the world today? It like can be so, Oh, I'm going to pick up litter. You know, it's not like, I think people make things have to be so big and so hard, but it's like the daily little things. Cause then those things will lead to bigger things absolutely. Okay. We have, I'm like I said, apparently I can talk to you for hours and hours about all of the things, but so skipping ahead, since obviously, uh, living off, you are starting to do all of these things now in the world. Yeah. Like you had a book come out a couple, do you have more than one book?
2: Um, well I had the Koi's Cuisine that I oh, self-published. Got it.
0: Okay. But yeah. So let your fears make you fierce. it oh, was the book. So And then also you've reached a level of like yoga fame or wellness fame, you know? So how, first of all, like what, what, what made this be the book? I don't know why I just asked you two different things. Forget the fame question I just gave you. (laughs) Let's just focus on (laughs) what made this be the book that was like your first book. And was that something where you approached to write a book and then like, Oh, what do I want to write about? Or were you like, I'm going to write a book it has to be this. How did you get to that being your book? Cause also with my first book coming out, like I was realizing like I was, told, I said for like years, I'm going to write a book, but I didn't write the book because I was like, I have so many ideas. I had to like come up with what is my first book going to be about? Like it was pretty challenging, even though it's something that I do every day, <laughs> like what, what I'm writing my book about, but it's like, it took me forever to figure out what will I write a book about.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very interesting. I feel like there's so many ways to, to, you know, produce a book and um, so many inspirations. And for me, I love the work that I do, but it's like, I'm only one person. And I felt like I wanted to help more people. And I was like, what better way to help more people than to write a book or have like a workbook that I can leave with people so they remember what I shared with them because I love life coaching, but I was kind of person like I want to help you get to this, and I want to give you the template. and and I you know I do the physical too. So it's like, okay, let's get your nutrition. let's get your your physical your spiritual, your mental, like everything on point. Okay. There you got the template. You got it. All right. I'm out. You know, so I'm the kind of person that I want to give you create a prescription. And I used to call them exercise prescription. Then I started calling them holistic prescriptions and basically giving people a template for their life based on what they like, based on what works for their lifestyle, because everyone's different. Some people are single. Some people have kids. Some people have lots of kids. Some people have partner, you know? So I loved diving into people's lives with them and helping them, you know, kind of map out a healthy lifestyle for themselves. But it would, you know, people are easy to forget. You know, I'll do the check in call and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to be doing that. Oh, yeah, like, you know, it's so natural, right? So I felt like, okay, I need a book that shares all these things that have helped me live a healthy and active lifestyle so meditation yoga chakra work changing those limiting beliefs deliberating affirmations um and also i want to share my story because a lot of people thought like oh you know you just got you got lucky or you, you know you just went from a b and c and you know and on social media i really didn't share some of the trauma that i've been through and some of the the, those darker parts. Um, and so I feel like the book was a perfect time to share more of my story along with the tools and how I deal with difficult times. So it's let your fears make you fierce, how to turn common obstacles into seeds for growth. And the reason I made that the subtitle is because we all have obstacles in life. Like no one gets to skate through life without any scratches you know and so in the book it was like sharing some of my obstacles and how I use them to make me a stronger person
0: got it love it so it was like more motivated of like I just like here I told you this or like okay like wanting to reach more people that's yeah that's awesome and I'm like now like I said it was more of a funny thing like oh I feel like I want to share all these things but I couldn't figure out what and now I'm so excited to like I can't wait till I can hand this book to people and be like, here, it's in here. Like, I get it. It's like you say the same things over and over and over to people, whether it's a friend or a client or somebody or whatever. So yeah, like, uh, um, yeah, I'm so excited to have a book out in the world. And, um, yeah, now what I, the other question I was going to ask, like, Yeah, you have reached some sort of level of like because of social media or just, you know, these things like fame and wondering how has that experience been for you of like social media is amazing, I think, for connection, for inspiration, but it also can be a challenging space. Have you had, you know, like have you had to create any new rituals or routines or ground more into ones that you already had, but like from that being in that space where there's like more eyes on you?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'm such a sensitive soul. So, and sometimes people, um, you know, outside of your life and on social media can dehumanize you a bit and like, um, not be kind with words and say really like mean stuff. And, and, you know, and it's, you know, you read that and you want to say like, oh, I'm not going to take it personally. They don't know me, but you do because once it's written, you see it, it's done. It hurts. You know, so I really had to develop thick skin and not take things personally, like the four agreements. <laughs> it was very helpful for me. Um, and just learning like, you know, I can't be consumed with what other people think, you know. And also I had to make the choice, like if I wanted to put all of my information online. So my page is more of a source from, of inspiration. And it's like I want to share stories deeper the deeper stories but it's like I don't necessarily I'm not looking for feedback I'm not looking for social media um to necessarily help me live my life like I look to God for that so I think that and one you know it's great because I'm divinely guided and led but the two I think sometimes people don't feel like I go through challenges or problems because I usually share them after I've come through, after I've gotten my guidance and, come, you know, because I, I feel like it's, it's a hard way to live your life on social media. And it's a hard thing if you're always living your life based on how other people think you should live your life because they're not living your life and they don't know your purpose. They don't know your soul's calling. Like there's only one way um, to get that and that's to go within. And so I'm trying to balance out like sharing some of my challenges and sharing some of the things that I that I find challenging and difficult about life. And also that time and that discussion is really a sacred place with me and spirit. So, um, that's been a challenge for me because, you know, you don't want to just post your highlight reel. So I'm still learning how to, uh, navigate social media because it's easy for me to just post like, you know, just, a, you know, first it was just yoga posts. Like when I started, um, social media, Instagram specifically, I just started to keep myself accountable for my practice. And I remember I did this challenge called grow so beautiful. And it was like post every day for a month. I was like, this is perfect. Cause I'll do my practice. And after practice, I'll post my yoga pose of the day. And it kept me accountable. Cause again, I was like, thank you yoga, but I didn't keep my regular practice. I was certified, but I didn't keep my regular practice. So I needed something to hold me accountable. So these yoga challenges held me accountable. And then, you know, you know, companies started wanting to send me yoga clothes. And then I was like, okay. And then I'll post a picture on here because I was like, okay, this can't pay the bills. We need some energetic exchange. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, and, and, it, and it just snowballed into what it is now today, which is, you know, a great opportunity, a great career of, you know, working with different brands too. And, you know, the brands that I work with are usually health and wellness brands or entertainment, like music brands. Um, and I love entertainment introducing people to some of the best, you know, vegan, um, wellness centered, uh, brands out there, brands that can help with everything from like finance to, um, you know, I do work with Amazon, you know, creating, you know, the playlist and, you know, so it just feels good to have this opportunity again, doing something that I love that is also helping other people.
0: Yeah. I said, I'm like, I still like, I have a modest following, so I don't really have that. But it's just, it does like sometimes, like a one person's comment, even if you don't know this person and they don't know you, it can you. It's crazy how it can get in you, and you're like, Nope, no, okay, yeah, no, nope, that person doesn't know me. They don't know my story, they don't know this, and it's it's such a beautiful space, and I'm so grateful we connect. And like, I love being influenced. You know, like I value influencers. <laughs> Like I buy things based on, you know, like what people are sharing. And I like love that. But yeah, I think people too can like discredit, oh, blah, blah, blah. And it's actually like a lot of work. And then, yeah, there is the like, how much do you share? Because you want to be real and be help, also being real, but also you're supporting people. So then you want to talk about how you're getting through the challenges, but like that keeping that space. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world. And I think it like with just with everything in life, it's all. Evolving and learning. And sometimes you might be like, okay, I'm sharing this way. And then, okay, now this is what's feeling best for me.
2: (laughs) You have to change it based on how you feel. And what I try to do now is empower people to know that you are in control. And when you need a break, take a break. When you want to be out there, be out there. And consistency is hard, you know? And, you know, I teach people how to like bulk shoot, like, you know, shoot a lot of, you know, content in one day. So you don't feel like you have to film every single day and your life is consumed by social media because then it gets straining and your relationships are like, Hey, let's take a selfie. Hey, let's film this. Hey, let's film that. And, and that can take the realness and authenticity out of your relationships, your family time and everything. So um, I think just maintaining a harmony and balance, even with your social media is important, especially if you're using it, you know, as part of your career. But to be honest, like if I wasn't using it as part of my career, I'd definitely be on it a lot less (laughs) because, yeah, it's just uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, you know, and I do have a team just to be transparent. Like I do have a team helping me out, helping me with posting, helping me with comments, helping me because it is overwhelming and it is all consuming when you're 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 running it as a company and when you are really into it in that way beyond just, you know, um, alerting your friends and family. what you're doing. Well, yeah, your numbers are
0: like, yeah, I was like, you're really up there. So I would uh, to be able to that. Those are individuals, too. So it's like, yes, if you, you know, like it can be like, oh, I have a team. So that means she's not personal. But like to me, I find that even more caring because if you there are this many individuals, not just like that's your follower count, those are individuals out there. Then like you having a team to me shows that means you care more about people so that they, you know, like can be whatever.
2: Yeah. But I still read comments. I still answer my DMS, but you know, with, with the posting and the timing and all this stuff, you know, is it's better to have help and, you know, have those things scheduled again. So it's not taking away so much time for you actually enjoying life.
0: Okay. One last question before I get to the questions, ask everybody, when you mentioned like the pandemic and how, you know, like had you shift, like, okay, so how can I use the time to like what do I want or shift this differently? Like, yeah, what came up for you? Have you changed things in like what your business or, you know, like what you're focused on? Obviously I'm, you know, in person things stopped last year, but like did that make you sort of switch things in your business? Did you launch new things because of the pandemic and like that different space or what happened for you?
2: I, you know, the first thing I said was just like, I just prayed and I was just like, how am I supposed to help at this time? You know? And, Uh, we were already thinking about taking our yoga teacher training online. Um, And so, of course, everything was virtual. So this was the best thing to do. So I took my um, yoga teacher training online and we had a beautiful online cohort. So putting my heart and soul into that from like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. every single day, Monday through Friday, my all my attention was there. And it helped me heal a whole lot because we were doing breath work, meditation, yoga, deep studies about, you know, Everything well-being for 500 hours. Wow! You know, and so it was my saving grace. You know, and I was so happy that I had it to pour into these students, and I'm so happy the students were able to to be there because I feel like it was a blessing to every single person involved that during this hard time we had each other and we had this deep spiritual practice that we were leaning into, and I recorded everything. So now people are still benefiting from, you know, that, that content and that time. So yeah, that's what I did. I just, you know, pivoted online and pivoted spiritually. Again, it was like the choice to go deeper spiritually. Now I did get caught up in, you know, there was a lot of things going on. I was getting caught up in the news and the social media. And then I was like, okay, I reached a point where I was like, I'm not well, I'm actually angry. Like, couple of days in a row. And I was like, okay, what's why are you angry? And I just had to sit down with myself. And you know, my my feelings were valid and and real. And I had to really process my pain around police brutality and like all these things. And then once I processed it, it was just like, okay, well now what do you want to do about it? And he's like, your life's work is making the world a better place. So the more that you pour into that, the more you're making the world a better place. And so I feel like we have to acknowledge our emotions when we're not feeling well, when we're feeling angry, frustrated. I call it sacred rage. You know, when we're feeling this sacred rage, like we got to dive into it and and talk to it and feel like, what are you telling me? Because we just, sometimes spiritual people, we want to just, or wellness people, we want to just like stuff it down. Oh no, I'm okay, I'm fine. Like, no, I wasn't okay. And I was telling my student like, yeah, I am not okay. I'm having flashbacks. Like I'm having a hard time here. And uh, just acknowledging it, helped me get to the other side just acknowledging my feelings so I pivoted online I processed a lot of dormant emotions that I had and hadn't been able to process about many different things when it comes to police brutality and racism and oneness so um, I was able to process all that and I'm a stronger person now because I was just focus on processing my own pain instead of trying to process the pain for the whole entire world, which where is where your mind can go as an empath. It was, like, you no, let me start with myself first and process my own pain and then share that with my community, share that with people online um, and share what I'm learning. So that's all I did. I was just like, let me share what I'm learning. And let me pour into, you know, using my gifts and talents, what I'm best at. Let me, let me pour into that. And now a year later, I'm just happy that I did. And I'm still doing the same thing because, you know, we're not over, over it yet. So I'm still focused on, you know, traveling a little bit, but mostly focused on continuing to pour um, into myself and continuing to pour into others.
0: Yeah, no, I so agree. And I saw in your book too, like the more, your morning pages, that, so morning pages is for me, what got me to start to acknowledge my, uh, other emotions besides like positive, like, you know, like, yeah, same thing. I think it can just be like, Oh no, 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 no. Oh, I can't have a doubt or a fear because I think positive or stuff like that. And I remember when I first started getting into morning pages and you're supposed to like, just dump it all out. Right. So I'd be like writing things and like some of that stuff would come out that I used to call like negative thoughts, but now I just, don't need to name them that. But I remember having this moment of like, Oh, no, I can't write that down. Because if I write that down, that that makes it real, you know, and then I was like, wait a minute, if that is about to come out of your mind, and like on the page, that means it already is real. <laughs> like, but I was afraid to write it down because, oh no, then that doubt, you know, is a real thing or fear is a real thing. And it was like this big awakening of like, it's already, if it's already trying to come out, like then it, it is real. And so that like, what a learning to like, yeah, acknowledge what you're feeling and then to like, ask it questions, to give it some space. And then you can get through it instead of like, nope, 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 nope. I don't know. Nope. don't have that feeling. Nope. Like then you just eventually like explode.
2: (laughs) Right. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because, um, I would like to offer a perspective around it that, that helped me because I know, you know, we, we talk about the law of attraction and what you want to attract and what you put attention on. And what helped me is looking at it all as energy, right? Because, If you're looking at your nervous system and if even there is no, you know, car heading towards you for you to be afraid of, if you experience a bad situation and someone says something or does something that makes you think you're going to get your heart broken or something, you have the same anxiety as if there was a semi-truck coming, right? So the question is, you know, you could say, oh, is that real? You're like, hey, that's not real, but your emotions are real. Right. And so what what helped me is look at it is like it's energetic. Right. So you have an energy of fear around this certain thing, what someone said, what someone did. So whether it's quote unquote real or not, your emotions are real. And when you acknowledge your emotions, you're able to unpack the fear. And that's what let your fears make you fears is all about is transitioning that fear into love by first acknowledging it. Forgiving yourself or forgiving others whoever call that and then reframing it into like what you what do you want it to be like what how can you recreate this reality in your mind so that really helped me deal with my emotions when they're kind of like all over the place or intense is just to acknowledge them and understand that their energy. And when you write it down, that's a release. When you sing it, it's a release. When you dance, it's a release. So not stuffing it inside, like you said, but letting it come out is not necessarily making it real. It's energetically releasing um, something that's presenting itself to you.
0: I love that, especially for, I've never gotten super into a law of attraction for the people in that, that it is sort of like, oh no, but if I admit this is real, then I'm manifesting that. But what you're saying is more like, but no, if you put your attention on it, then you can clear up the energy so then you can like open those what, you know, law of attraction pass up if you're like coming from that place. But if you try to stuff it away, because no, 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 I don't want to man- make that into a real manif- manifestation or whatever it would be, then like you're still carrying that energy around. And so that is going to mess up your manifestations or whatever. Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> well,
2: I, I, I always like I'm gentle around the word mess up because it's like, you're empowered. Like you're empowered. Like no matter what you do, you can't mess up your life. Your life has a divine calling on it. If you choose something else, the karma is going to correct you if you allow it to. Right? The karma of it, you have to deal with it. But still, it's always going to be like I believe in love, and I believe that like this world, like even the darkness is showing us where love is needed. Like, you know, darkness is the absence of light. You know, fear is the absence of love. And so when you shine a light on the fear, it's like, oh, okay, this is how I can shift that, right? So I feel like, you know, the more that we look at these these places that we want to stuff, these things, these emotions that we don't want to let out and we shine a light on it, it's like, oh, okay, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be angry. I can just communicate. I don't have to allow this toxic situation in my life. I can just shift or change or leave, you know. And it's not as easy as that. And I'm not saying at all that this is easy because it's sure sure is not easy, but it's possible. And I think the more that we realize it is energetic and we do have control because I think a A lot of people, especially when it comes to what's happening in the world, we feel a loss of control and we feel in a high state of fear and we, we don't feel safe. And when you don't feel safe, you'll see in my book, when I talk about the chakras, it's on page 99 and When you don't feel safe, that's your core energy center. That's your core chakra. It's hard to express and manifest and function at a high level because you don't feel safe. And so it's like, how can you feel safe in an unsafe container is then what you have to ask yourself. And to me, it's pouring into um, yourself and others in your community and whatever ways that you can um, and creating a safety net within a space that might seem unsafe.
0: I love it. I love you. I yes, I could keep talking to you. All right, we're gonna get you to these last questions so that you can get off in time for your next thing. So these are all phrases that I have on keychains in my product line, and I ask people to not necessarily pitch, pick which phrase they like the most, but which one they would want in a reminder as a reminder every day because I will send you the keychain. So like, which one you want to see every day to be like, oh right, oh
2: yes that. And then why? (laughs) You know what? I'm going to tell you my first pick and I'll I'll tell you my second pick, but I trust the timing of my life. And I think this one is really resonant because first I saw I'm enough and it's the first one. And that's like one of my biggest limiting beliefs. But then when I looked at your list and I saw, I trust the timing of my life. Like, I feel like that's really important for me right now. I just had my 40th birthday and it's just like, you know, I look at like, you know, things that society says you should do by the age of 40 that haven't done like, you know, marriage and kids specifically. And I feel like I trust the timing of my life um, really helps speak to my soul when I want to judge myself uh, based on those type of like milestones if you will and kind of surrender into trusting the timing of my life got it so was the second one the I am enough
0: then or was there something? yeah okay Got. It.
2: I am enough and the reason I am enough is because I think when you grow up and you don't have a high self-esteem or a high sense of self-worth and you feel like you have to kind of fight or walk like 10 times harder to be seen or recognized you have a sense or I speak for myself I have a you have I have a sense of like not just not feeling like no matter what I do it's not good enough like people are still going to look down on me and not feel like I'm valuable and no matter you know no matter what works I've done how many books I've written how many followers I got it's all it's always going to feel like I'm I'm fighting to to be seen acknowledged or loved I know that is not true, but I'm being honest about how it feels. And I think it does stem from like just growing up, not feeling valued or loved and, you know, being in, um, you know, a culture where, you know, as women, you know, we, you know, we're in a certain place as a black woman I'm in a certain place. So I feel like those things definitely feed that fear of not being enough and feed that lie, but when I have that feeling, I always check myself and be like, you are enough and you deserve the best things life has to offer. And just being and breathing the breath of life is enough.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I I feel like all of us struggle with the enough. Like, it's like, there's always, there's always some version that's like trying to tell you that you're not enough. And that's what, again, like the shoulds and the, yeah, what you're saying, you're 40, which happy birthday, I turned 40 this year too. And like, The shoulds, oh, you should have this. You should like, you know, like that makes you think differently and then remind yourself like, no, these are my choices. But like, why is these people out there saying I should have done this by now? (laughs) Like, who are they? Um, Okay, what is a go-to to to raise your joy levels? Like something to do like in the moment, you know?
2: Dancing. I love dancing to my favorite music in my birthday suit. Oh, (laughs) I Love that. Uh, I ask everybody to
0: how to apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank.
2: Mm. What is easiest for me is eating whatever I want this vegan. <laughs> what is best for me is making sure I have, um, whole foods, mostly plant-based fruits and vegetables.
0: I have that even like, I've been gluten-free since 2004 because it really helped with my fibromyalgia. But then, yeah, sometimes, especially these days, there's gluten-free everything. So it's like, oh my God, it's gluten-free, so I can eat it. Like, so then I'm like, that's great, Trisha, but also let's eat these, <laughs> I'm just like, let me eat everything because they now come in gluten-free options. (laughs) Yes. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Like, so the same thing with a vegan of like,
1: oh, it's vegan. So I can eat it probably. Yeah, but it's still processed, girlfriend. (laughs) So let's not eat too much. Exactly. (laughs) Oh,
0: and those ingredients are now like 50 times longer. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe that's not the best choice. (laughs) Okay. the last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It because I feel so often people are putting it like their feelings of being enough, worthy, successful, fulfilled out there somewhere. Once I have this, once I do this, then I will feel it. And that's just like never ending if you're constantly putting it outside of you in some sort of mark. And so I feel like we can claim that as those emotions at any time. Like you sort of just said, like, yeah, you can claim I am enough right now. I am successful now. I am worthy right now. So the question is, what are you claiming for yourself right now?
2: I am claiming ultimate joy and satisfaction every single day.
0: Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing yourself here and in all the many ways you have throughout your life and continue to.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. Wow. I could have talked to Koya forever. Absolutely loved talking to her. Loved hearing a sliver of her journey because I feel like there's so many things we couldn't even get to because we were just having such a great conversation for full show notes, you can go to yourjoyallist.com backslash podcast. For all things me, yourjoyologist.com, and you can find me at underscore Trisha Huffman and at Claim It Podcast on Instagram. I love hearing from you. Let me know what you listened to, if you enjoyed it, what resonated with you. You can find Koya at Koya Web. Oh, with two B's. Again, we love, we love hearing from you what are you listening to? What's resonating? Let me know. Share the episode. And um, for the final thought, oh, let's go with like what Koya said. What if it's just asking yourself, what can I do to bless this world today? I think that's what she said. What can you do right now to be a blessing to this world?